Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Good morning. Man, it is uh, good to be here with my church body. Who else is glad to be at church today? Yeah? talking with some of our guys earlier, some older guys, and they were like, it's just good to be above ground, right? And so, uh, but good to see you guys. I am, good news, this past week I was cleared by the doctor after six weeks of surgery, did back to all normal activities, so thank you for praying for me and uh, being back. So I, I hit it hard, and now I'm sore from hitting it hard. <laughs> So anyway, I'm glad that you're here this morning. If you're new, I'm Pastor Randall, and I get the privilege of leading and pastoring this church, which I've gotten to do for the last 17 years. I mean, I'm blessed. I feel blessed every week when I get to get up to do this. I get scared every week, and I get blessed every week to get to share God's Word with you and open it up and talk. And God gave me a, a word for myself like months ago, and, and it's the word serial helper, that I just want to be constantly helping, serially helping people. Not with serial, but serially helping people, right? But I just... And so this morning I woke up and I'm like, I get to help people today. I get to help people understand God's Word. I get to open it up and help people find life. I get to do that. And so I was so excited to be here to do this and, and get to share what God has put on our heart. But more, more importantly, to have God speak to you personally. So I pray that He will do that today. Um, thank you for being here. I just went down and saw our teenagers. We got about almost 50 teenagers headed out to camp, getting ready to leave to go. And I went down and and uh, said goodbye to all of those teenagers heading out. So they're heading out in just a few moments. We've had a big week. We're going to see at the end of the service a video of Adventure Week. All that happened here this past week and hear from other people. It's going to be, um, we're going to take the next hour and 15 minutes. And, or not, we'll be done in an hour and 15 minutes total. All right? So you got somewhere to be. We're going to be done by uh, 12.15. All right? So anyway, thanks for being here. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out. John chapter 2 is where we're going to, no, John chapter 3, I'm sorry, is where we're going to be in just a moment. It'll be up on the screens as well. But if you want to scan that little QR code in front of you, it'll take you to sermon notes, um, a communication card, event, uh, there's a thing in there called news you can use about all of what's happening here in the next few weeks at church. So take a moment and read that. If you want any more information about the church, if God moves in your heart today, you want to be, some prayer requests, there's a little communication card in the seat in front of you. Take a moment, fill that out, and at the end of the service, you can drop it in the little black box on the door on the way out. So, we'll take a moment and do that. Well, how many of you saw the thing with the uh, submarine, you know, those five people in the submarine? Wasn't that terrible, right? You know, I mean, I was kind of intrigued with that. I think a lot of people were just like, these people pay a lot of money to go down there and go two and a half miles below the ocean to go down and explore the Titanic. I'm like, first of all, you would have never gotten me in that can, right? Anybody else? Anybody else a little claustrophobic? Yeah, that would not have been me. But they, hey, you know, they have this adventurous spirit. Matter of fact, I read about these, these guys. One of the guys, you know, one of the richest billionaires and one of the other guys was a, one of the richest men in Pakistan. I mean, just adventurers with a lot of money, can do a lot of things. Uh, and I read about this one guy from, the guy from Britain, and I was just doing a little research on him, and turns out he just lives his life going on adventures. And, you know, he had 
set a record from circumventing the, the globe. I forget how he did it, but circumventing the globe from the north to south pole, going that way instead of east to west. He's, just, he's been down to the deepest trench in the world, in, down in the ocean. I mean, he, just, he, he lives from adventure to adventure, he did. And his friend said that while he was on the uh, submarine, he was probably already planning his next adventure. I'm a lot like that. I, I mean, I don't have all the money. But I like to live for adventure. Anybody else like adventures? You like to go on adventures, like a big challenge? Every year I give myself a big challenge, whether it's to, you know, some kind of physical activity that's going to push me to the limit or something I need to learn. I like to constantly be pushing myself. And I'm a lot like that guy. And here's what I have found, and maybe you're the same way, that the reason I do that isn't always the best. Because sometimes I look to those things, those adventures, to satisfy something that's missing in my soul. Anybody else? Kind of look to the next thing, the next adventure to satisfy, because there's a thrill in it. I mean, I've done some crazy stuff and long, like, you know, races and hard stuff and still have the scars and all those things to, to part of those. But here's what I have found. Those things, a lot of times, I'm doing them to satisfy something in my ego or my soul, something that's missing. And maybe you are not an adventurer, Right? Maybe you're a foodie. Anybody a foodie in here? And you're like, you know what I like? I like the next great meal at an exotic place. Why? Well, you're hungry, but it's also something you like. Got to have the next thing. Got to want you want the next thing. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's the next achievement in, in your career, your college, whatever, or next, next promotion or the next possession you buy. You got to have the next thing, the next thing, next thing, because you're looking for something to satisfy you. Or maybe it's a relationship and you think, I got to have that next relationship, or you're always looking for the next person to satisfy. Everybody ends up. And this, like, on this treadmill. It's this treadmill. You're constantly going. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate treadmills. Anybody else hate treadmills? I hate them, and I will use them. But I would rather, if I'm going to put all that effort in, I'd rather get somewhere. Anybody else? But so you get on it, you go, and you go. And, but a lot of us are on this, this satisfaction treadmill that running all the time trying to get the next thing and you get the next thing but you know what you haven't gone anywhere you're just trying to get your same thing next thing gotta have the next hit next adventure next pleasure next meal whatever and you're going and going and going and it's not getting you anywhere and, and it's not just you that has that problem it's universal I've been all over the world been seeing stuff had conversations with people and people who have very little are still doing that. They're still seeking the next thing. And I've been around people who have a lot and they're still seeking the next thing and the next thing. And I've been people who in different, you know, just all over the cultures and they're still seeking it. But it's not just universal. It's perennial, meaning it's continually happening constantly in every generation since the beginning of man. What were Adam and Eve seeking? They had God, but they said, we want something else. We want a little more wisdom. We want to be a little more like God. We want a little more, you know. And so, always seeking something. And if we went through the Old Testament, we'd see a guy named Solomon, who's the richest man alive at that time. And he was always on adventures, looking for the next thing, the next pleasure, the next meal, the next entertainment. And he finally came to this conclusion, there's nothing worth doing under the sun except to enjoy your life that God's given you and worship God. Right? He found that out. 
And so everybody was kind of on that same treadmill. He figured it out. And then you go to the New Testament. We have people seeking after things. We have a rich young ruler coming, but asking the same questions. And today we're going to look at a guy you would think would have it figured out. But what he was putting his satisfaction in never fulfilled him. And we're going to take a look at this religious leader who comes to Jesus as a seeker, asking questions that all of us are asking, what will satisfy my soul? And so we're going to take a look at him in just, just a moment. Before we look at him, I want us to pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. I want you to pray. If you've never prayed before, I dare you to pray today. Ask God to speak to you. See what happens, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and that it will lead us to what satisfies our soul. If we have ears to hear, spiritual ears, then we will hear it. So Lord, God, open our ears today to hear your word. Would you ask God to open your spiritual ears? God, open our, our eyes to see things we've never seen before. Open God, ask God to open your, your eyes. And Lord, open our mind to see and understand, understand deep things that are not common to man, but Lord, your wisdom, would you help us to understand them? And God, please change our hearts. Please change my heart. Get me out of the way. Lord, just, I just want to be a conduit of your spirit. Come and anoint this room. Help us all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John chapter 3 was where we're going to be. We started two weeks ago. John 1, we're kind of going through John. And uh, we saw how John gave this summary of who Jesus was and what he was going to do and talked about his mission. And then last week we saw how uh, Jesus chose his disciples, but then he goes and he shows up at a wedding and performs this incredible miracle of changing water into wine. And if you missed last week, go back and listen online at our website. You can also now, our sermons on Sunday morning are on Spotify. So if you listen to Spotify on podcast, you can find them on there as well. So you can go back and listen. But we talked about how the, the disciples saw the signs of what Jesus did and they put their faith in him. I would encourage you to go back. If your faith is struggling, go back and listen and be encouraged to uh, put your faith in Jesus this next week. All right, so here's what happens next. After that story, they, Jesus starts, he begins his ministry and he starts preaching and he's teaching and, and he's offending some of these religious leaders and they're not liking it, but some of them are asking some important questions like this guy named Nicodemus. And so we're going to pick up in this story in John chapter 3. And I'm going to, this is a good bit of reading, so hang in there with me. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. John 3, verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he had some authority. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. He has some insight here, right? For no one could perform the signs... Remember last week we saw how John never says miracles, he says signs, because all the signs point to something else. They point to who Jesus is. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if they were not from him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born of, when they are old, born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. That's a great question, right? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Right. But Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth, uh, birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. 
You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus says to him, you are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I will speak to you. I'll tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify of what we've seen. Still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Then Jesus says this, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. It's interesting, church, if you'll notice, Jesus refers to himself not as the Son of God, but the Son of Man. And it's important to see this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then the most popular verse in probably all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So we're going to stop right there. A lot of reading, a lot of good stuff to dig into that. Here's what I want us to do. I want to take a minute and walk through it and just help you to notice some certain things that will help you understand the, the depth of this and help us see what really satisfies our soul. So the first thing I want you to notice is the seeker. Who's the seeker? The Pharisee, right? Now, the Pharisee was a Jewish leader. He, was, he lived his life as much as he could by the Jewish laws. Very strict, morally, did all the things that he was supposed to do right. And then, but he just wasn't that. He was also religious. He was a leader at the Jewish council. So he had a lot of, a lot of authority. But he saw something. He saw something in Jesus, right? He says, the things you are, do, you are doing, these signs, they point me to something else. Not just, they're not just like any man can do these. We know you are something different. So what does he do? He comes in the middle of the night. He like sets up a meeting with Jesus in the middle of the night. Maybe because others, he was scared. Maybe because of what others thought. But I think it's because he had very sincere like questions. He's seeking to know the truth. He wants to know it. And just like everybody here, we all are seeking something, so he's seeking it out. So he comes to him in the middle of the night, and he's very sincere. Years ago, I had a trip to Lebanon, and I went and, with some people here from church, and we went and we got to talk to some to Muslims. And one of the things we found that when they were very sincere, they didn't ask you to come in the middle of the day. They're like, we want you to come in the middle of the night. And we went, and um, we got invited to go speak to a group of about 10 young men, probably in their early 20s. And they said, we want you to come and tell us about this guy, Jesus. And so we go, and they said, come at midnight. <laughs> so we go at midnight, and it was pretty scary. I have to be honest. I'm like, what's going to happen? And we were right there, you know, I mean, Hezbollah and all that was in the same area. And we're like, are these guys going to kill us? I, you know, I had no idea. But they were sincere, we thought. And so we go, we meet with them, go up into this dark room and get up there. And all they want to do is just hear about Jesus. And it was beautiful to get to talk about Jesus and share with them. And we talked for three hours just talking, having conversations. They were sincere. They were seekers. And this man, this Pharisee, he's a seeker. And he's, here's what he's realized. The path he's on is not satisfying his soul. 
all of this moral codes and moral rules and all of these things I'm doing, there's something still missing in my life. And he asked this important question. See, when you're a seeker, if you want to get to where you want to go, you ask the important question. It's this, is the path I'm on going to get me where I really want to go? Is it going to get me on? If I'm, like, if you're, if you're, like, right now, I want you to challenge yourself and ask yourself, the path I'm on, the things I'm chasing after, the things I think will satisfy me, are they going to really get me where am I going to go? Or am I just on this treadmill going nowhere? Just seeking the next thing, next thing. Listen, if it hasn't satisfied yet, it's probably never going to satisfy you. So he's like, I'm going to seek it out. So for you, is the path you're on going to get you really where you want to go? I remember at being 18, just thinking, I'd already put my faith in Jesus. And, but at 18, I'm like, I'm doing all this crazy stuff. And do I really want to go down that path? Remember, going to my room one night and just laying on my face before God and said, I don't like the path I'm on. I want to be on a different path. And I'm going to pursue you with all my heart and mind. And that decision changed the course of my life. And so this is what seekers do. They ask the important questions. Are you asking the important questions? And right now, if there's, you don't hear anything the rest of the day, it's this. Is the path you're on going to get you where you want to go? If you, if you want peace, satisfaction, and joy, is the path you're on going to get you there? So he comes seeking. And notice Jesus' answer when he asks him. He's like, like, who are you? Look at what Jesus replied. He knows what he really needs. He doesn't explain himself all this. He just goes, digs right in. He says, this scripture says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He jumps right into the deep end. He's basically saying, Hey, what you're looking for is found in the Spirit, not in the flesh. He says, You need to understand like the question you're asking isn't going to be found in earthly material things it's not going to be found in a bunch of rules and traditions what you're looking for listen church what you're listening for looking for is in the spirit see a lot of times we think this we think i've got this need i got this thing that needs to be satisfied so we go looking for earthly things to fill it, the next adventure, the next meal, the next whatever. You go looking for the next thing to fill that, and it never will because a, a, a spiritual need cannot be met with earthly things. C.S. Lewis talked about that, how we, you know, we're constantly on the search for those things that cannot be satisfied except for what God can do in the Spirit. And so Jesus jumps right in. He says, unless you're born again of the Spirit, you cannot know heaven. Now, I want you to understand something. Let me give you a little background here. Listen. Every one of you, you're born, right? You came out in this world. That's what Jesus is saying. You're born of water. You came into this world. You have a flesh. But you know when you were born, you have, also have a soul. You have a soul. And that soul is going to live forever in one or two places, heaven or hell. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, but he gives us a new clue. There's a third part. He says, but unless you are born of the Spirit... You will not see the kingdom of God. So we're born in flesh. We have a soul. And that's what, you know, you think that you are like, a lot of times we just look at our body like, oh, this is me. Can I tell you what? What we see here, this isn't you. You are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. 
And your soul is going to live forever one day. But if you want to be in heaven and you want to be satisfied, you want your heart to meet the reason it was born, it's to this. He says, it's to, put your, it's to be born again, to be spiritually born. And when you are spiritually born, the Spirit of God comes alive inside of you. And you know, that Spirit's going to live forever one day with God in heaven. Now, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds crazy. But can I tell you this? I wouldn't believe it unless I had experienced it. At the age of nine, I remember calling my dad in the room one night before I went to bed. And I said, Dad, I need to be, I need to be saved. I've been hearing about Jesus, been going to church for a couple years with my parents and going to the Bible studies and, you know, little kids and hearing about all the, you know, um, felt Jesus on the board, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and hearing all those things and, and it, God moved on my heart. And I, so I said, Dad, come in. I need, to be, I need to get saved. And so he said, let's pray. Got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I believe in you because you died for my sins and I want to be born again. Can I tell you what happened? There was a sense of something just born in me a relieving of guilt and shame even at that age but something came alive in me and you know what it was it was the spirit of God who's had that happen to them God did that he did that in my life and if you've never experienced that and listen Jesus has a word a warning for you here in just a moment you're going to see if you've never experienced that there's a warning but if you have experienced that I've got good news for you you know what you will live forever with God in eternity as his, as his, your peace, right? Isn't that amazing that you've been born again and God has done that? The only way we get to see heaven is if we are born again. And you know what? When we go searching for stuff, you know what we're really searching for? We're searching for God. I'm, I'm a healthy man that I have a beautiful wife that I love and blessed and I think about this often that we we got married young she was 19 and I was 21 and we got married young and I've had the privilege of being married 29 years is that what we are I can't remember see I'm gonna get in trouble but 29 years and I've had you know and I love her but can I tell you what I love my wife but I'm also a male with hormones and and you know how easy it is to be drawn away and tempted by other things yes you know guys right women you know and that now we can carry around in our pocket or on our iPad or whatever, and, and in two clicks you can have, you can see things that people never saw ever. And listen, I want you to know that if you're struggling with that, you know what your heart is really searching for? It's not that. You're actually surfing for God. You're surfing, for searching for something to satisfy you. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, when the man back in that day, before they had internet and all that, a hundred years ago, when he went and, and the man who goes knocking on the brothel door, he's not looking for a good time, he's actually searching for God. And it may be porn, it may be a, an affair, it may be food, it may be the next adventure, it may be the next accomplishment or possession. What your heart is looking for is God. He's the only thing that will satisfy you. And when you are born again, that comes alive in you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't start, you stop seeking after those things. You know why? Because your flesh is still alive. But now you're born again spiritually. Now, that's his answer. Now, how do you get born again? So look what Jesus says. He says, he says this. Notice the, one, the, the way one is transformed. 
Here's what he says. And this is a cool story. He says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Now, in Numbers 21, there's a cool story about how the Israelites came out of, as they were led out by Moses, they came out, and Jesus has led them out of, of captivity. Now they're walking through the desert, and you do what so many of us do. You know what they do? We do? We complain about our circumstances. God is freedom. They come out of that circumstance and, they, and they're complaining about it. We don't have enough. We had better food back there. They complain about all this stuff. And you know what God does to complainers? This is a warning, complainers. He sent venomous snakes. <laughs> if you hate snakes, stay, stop complaining, right? <laughs> we were at the boat the other day and a big old snake goes by. And it was just a water snake, but everybody's still freaked out. It's not going to kill you. It's not even venomous. We just, no, if you like snakes, you're weird, right? So... A snake goes by, and we're all freaking out anyway, but snakes, he sends all of these venomous snakes, and it kills a bunch of complainers. That's a warning. <laughs> and it kills them, and, 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 and they're all like, we don't want to die from venomous snakes, so they go to Moses, and they say, Moses, help us. We're so sorry we complained, and you know what God says? All right, Moses, I want you to take a bronze snake, make a bronze snake, put it on a pole. And hold it up and tell everyone who repents to look at that snake, that fake snake, and they will be healed and saved. And they did, and they were healed and saved. But you know what? You think, if you're just reading through that, you're like, what a weird story. But if you don't put it to the next book, the New Testament, it was all done as what? As a representation that whoever looks to Jesus on that tree will be saved and born again. That's the beauty of this story at all. And they had no idea how it was all written together. But we understand that. And here's how you're saved. Here's how you're born again and saved from this problem called sin that has separates you from God. It's by looking to Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, putting your faith in him, and you're born again. That's the beauty. <laughs> That's the way this happens. And then notice this. Notice the great... Love of God. For God so loved the world. How much, church? Anybody ever used to do this when you are a kid? I love you this much. <laughs> this much. You know. Love you to the moon and back, you know. I mean, this is like, it's just massive. How much is the love of God? It's like we can't imagine that he would give his one and only son for those who believe in him. Man, the greatest act of love ever was God sending his son. You ever wondered if God loves you? All you have to do is look at this story. Now, they had no idea what Jesus was talking about. They had no idea that, you know, as Nicodemus was hearing this story, he had no idea that three years later Jesus was going to go to a cross and die and all that. But we do. You have that privilege of knowing that. But notice the warning. There's a warning that I told you was coming. Here's what he says. There's good news and a warning mixed together in this scripture. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Man, this is the best news, church. Whoever, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're born again. But listen, God sees you. He no longer sees you condemned. For eternity, you are free, like free from guilt and shame. You're free from all the punishment of sin, right? Jesus took all that on and tells us in the scriptures, for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation. Is that good news, church? Man, that is the best news. I believe that, man, we can get up. We may blow it, but I am not condemned. 
For those who believe, they are no longer condemned. But look at this. But, if it weren't for those buts, look what he says. But, whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So there's a clue in here, church. You're born condemned. You're born in sin. For all the way from Adam and Eve, you're born. We come out of this world just selfish, evil. And in your job as parents, you know what your job is as parents? Is to literally raise the hell out of your kids. And, and <laughs> he says, you're already condemned. People don't die and go to heaven because they reject Jesus. They go and die, I mean, die and go to hell because they reject Jesus. They die and go to hell because of sin. And he says this. He says, if you don't believe, then you're condemned already. They have not believed in the name of the one and only Son. You know what this should do? It should cause an urgency in us. And an urgency. Like, if you don't believe, listen... There's no guarantee that tomorrow is coming. Listen, unless Jesus comes tomorrow, there's a 100% chance. Unless Jesus comes back, there's a 100% chance you're going to die and you're going to meet your maker and he's going to say, have you put your faith in, in the son who I sent? If not, you're condemned. That's, there's no way around it. <laughs> so it should put an urgency in your heart to say, I need to believe. Like I did that night on my knees as a nine-year-old. I need to do this. This is important. This is the most important question. The path I'm on is not going to lead me to a life here on earth and satisfaction and not going to lead me to heaven. I need to get on a different path. And then, church believers who've already gotten on that path, listen, let it create an urgency in you to tell the world. What a shame if, if we know it all and we keep it all to ourselves. To tell your neighbors, tell your friends, parents, to have your kids in a church where they're hearing the scriptures, hearing the truth, and knowing the truth so they can be on the right path. Listen, it doesn't matter. The most, listen, the most important thing you can do for your kids is make sure they know about Jesus and you model for them what it looks like to follow him. It doesn't matter if they have the best grades, the best in school, star in the major leagues, if they miss heaven. The best gift you can give your children is eternity with Jesus. So who's saved? Only those who look to him. So how do you have your heart satisfied? You look at your life and you ask the important questions. Am I on the right path? Is this going to satisfy me? No. What will satisfy me? Number two, if you look to Jesus... Let him transform you. Let him transform your heart. The only way you're born again, the only way you begin to seek him is if you look to him and he changes you from the inside out. And in a moment, if you've never done that, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in this service right here in a moment. Just give you a chance to just say, looking to Jesus. But let me take a second. Before we do that, let me talk to you, church. Those who've looked to Jesus and been transformed. How do we have our hearts satisfied? After we've looked to Jesus, because here's what you know. I, you've looked at Jesus, you've been born again, but you still keep seeking the other things. Amen? Isn't that right? Don't we? We keep doing it. We just keep looking after other stuff. How do you do that? You live by the Spirit. 
Look at this scripture, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So here's the truth. When you get born again, the Spirit comes alive. You know what doesn't happen? Your flesh does not die. We're still here. Flesh is still here. Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, they're all still here. But what has happened, something new has been born in you. And you spend the rest of your days on earth putting to death that flesh, the desires of the flesh, and walking in the Spirit. Because you know only the things of the Spirit satisfy you. For the desires of the flesh are contrary. And the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The rest of your life, church, is this, is saying, I'm going to live by the Spirit. Daily, I'm going to get up. I'm going to feed my spirit with His Word. I'm going to get up. I'm going to feed my spirit by it being in prayer with Him. I'm going to feed my spirit by putting worship. I'm going to feed my spirit by being in community with a bunch of believers I'm going to help my kids grow in the Spirit by helping them understand the Word, getting them with believers, helping them to grow in worship. And as they begin, become a believer, you know what happens? As you begin to, begin to follow the Spirit, begin to put to death the deeds of that flesh, because you know those things won't satisfy. How do you have your heart satisfied? You look to Jesus and you walk in His Spirit. So here's the big question, church, today. Is the path you're on going to satisfy your soul? It's going to get you where you want to go. Maybe you're a believer that keeps getting on that treadmill and you're uh, chasing after it and you realize this isn't going to satisfy me. Nothing wrong chasing after those things, but listen, if you look to those things to satisfy you, you will never be content. I'll wrap it up with this story. God's been teaching me about contentment, for just, about just trusting Him and every circumstance to being just content, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, hungry, you know, like fed, sick or healthy, to trust Him and be contentment. That's what contentment is. And so I've been praying about that, reading about it, and just learning about it. And then the other day I got out of my car and I looked down and there was this black bracelet on the ground and um, and I picked it up, and it said this on it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> Philippians 4.13. And if you know the history of that story, I used to, when I was like, when I'd be running, and be like, I can do all things through Christ. Yeah, get me, you know, I can do all that. But that's not what that scripture is about. The scripture is about contentment. In Philippians 4, you know, 10, 11, 12, he's saying, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether being poor or riches, fed or hungry. He says, I have learned the secret of contentment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's about being content. And so I saw this script, this, this black thing here, and I like said, thank you, Jesus. Somebody lost it, and I found it. <laughs> but it was for me. Maybe it's like, you gave that to me. And I've been wearing it every day, and God just reminded me, the things of this earth do not satisfy your soul. You find contentment through strength in Jesus Christ. And he just reminded me of that. And I'm like, thank you. Just a little reminder. This is where it's at. What are you looking to satisfy you? Are you content in Jesus? Get off the treadmill. Find your contentment in him. 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word, learn, be grow, and be challenged. All those things, Lord. Thank you for the reminder of the great love of God, that you love us so much. You sent Jesus, <laughs> that he came. And Jesus, we thank you that you spoke the truth and you showed the way and you gave up your life on a cross for us. And this room is full of people who've looked to the cross, who looked to you, Jesus, on that cross, put their faith in you and have been born again. Thank you for that. If that's you this morning, we just thank him. Thank you for his death on the cross for you, for the new life you have. Thank him that there's no condemnation. And if you're a believer in Jesus today, do a little self-examination, asking the hard questions. Are you pursuing Jesus in the Spirit? Or are you stepping back onto that treadmill, looking for other things to content you? I want to encourage you, go hard for Jesus. Be content in Him. He's the only thing that satisfies your soul. If that's you, take a time, pray. Ask God to speak to you right now. Lord, is there anything I need, I'm chasing after that I, I think it's going to satisfy me, but, but won't. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. Do whatever you need to do today. But let me talk a second too for those who've never looked to Jesus, never been born again. Spirits never come alive. There's no magical thing you do. You know what? It's just humbling yourself before God, looking to Jesus and what he did on the cross, saying, that was for me, and I need to be born again. Jesus died for my sin, and I need to be born again. I'm spiritually dead, and I want to be spiritually alive. If that's you right now, let's take a moment in this next quiet 30 seconds and just look to Jesus with hope and forgiveness. Look to him. I'm going to be quiet. You take a moment. Ask God what he wants you to do. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for speaking to us this morning. We love you. If while you were praying and you just put your faith in Jesus for the first time, you looked to him and the cross and you said, hey, I just took that step. So what I want you to do, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or do anything, but I want you to do this. In a moment when we sing, I want you to take a moment and in that seat in front of you, in that little basket, there's a communication card and on the inside, it says there's a place where it says you, you're committing your life to Jesus Christ. I want you to write your name on the front, information, check that box. And, we'll, and then at the end of the service, place it in the little black box on the door. And I'm going to pray for you. And we'll follow up with you. Send you some resources to help you grow as a Christian. And start your brand new spiritual journey with Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.